This episode of Wishers Breakaway is brought to you by The Athletic. As you know, sports are back. I mean, that's why you're here, right? You've been watching the Ranger games, unfortunately, I guess, I think. Uh, you could get 40% off on The Athletic right now. It's very easy. All you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash BSB. That's all lowercase, theathletic.com slash BSB. And you can get all the in-depth coverage from Rick Carpinello, Shayna Goldman, us, everyone else at The Athletic. Get everything you need to know about the NHL playoffs. It's 40% off. It's $3 a month. Cup of coffee. That's all it is. Uh, theathletic.com slash BSB underscore. All right. We cover everything from the first two games and also the exhibition game for the University Islanders. We go through literally every player. Um, not exactly the best showing for the New York Rangers, but it's good to see hockey, but I don't know how good it is. All right. Here we go. Hi, everybody. It's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Welcome to the Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead of The Athletic, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, as always, Greg Kaplan, also of The Athletic. Gregory, we got to watch Rangers playoff hockey. Say hello. Yeah, probably should have, though. Yeah, Rangers play in hockey. Mm. So, I guess we yeah. start from the beginning, right? Because we have a lot to go over here. It's the first time, and maybe the last time, we'll have a podcast this year talking about hockey. Next week, we'll maybe be able to talk about one game, you know? Um... The series right now is 2-0 Carolina. Rangers haven't really showed up to play so far. That's not really breaking news for anybody, but I think we're going to break down pretty much every aspect of what happened in not only the exhibition game versus the Islanders, but these first two games with the New York Rangers versus the Carolina Hurricanes. So let's start from the beginning, shall we? We go uh, to an exhibition game. First time back. It's versus the Islanders. You know, it's an exhibition game, but Rick and Vince pretty much, when we talked to them, they were like, yeah, it's not really going to be an exhibition game. It's going to be sort of this playoff atmosphere. It wasn't really a playoff atmosphere. I thought there were a lot of players that looked um, deconditioned. And this is something we, we talked about a lot in the past. Like, hey, these players were off the ice for a long time, and there's going to be... Did you say deconditioned? Did I? Yes, why? Not unconditioned. Not, no, no. Not in condition? One of these. Did you, do, you, do you think, like, are you taking conditioning and merging it with, like, decommissioning? I think so. Like, decommission a warship? Yes. There were not in hockey shape. Is that better? I think so. Uh, yes, but now I need to know if like deconditioned is a thing. They were once conditioned, might, and then they be. were might, yeah, yeah, deconditioned. Yep. You know what? It is. You're right. <laughs> this is one of those few times where you saying a word that I think sounds stupid uh, is actually a word. Nice. That's a big win for me, uh, to be honest. It's an adjective. It means having lost fitness or muscle tone, especially through lack of exercise. That's literally what happened. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. This is this is a big moment for you. Honestly, and I want to just thank the Academy. And to win bigger than the Rangers have uh, like this is a huge for me right now. Um, so This is the only W anyone related to the Rangers has taken all week. It's true. Kako, we'll get to him. Um, really, a, a lackluster performance against the Islanders, Igor started, Hank relieved him, let up a goal. It wasn't a big deal to me personally. Like All the Hank haters, I, I just don't understand you. I really thought Henrik Lundqvist was fine both these games. I really didn't think he was an issue. Some people some people just need something to bitch about, Ryan. It's yeah. like the name of the game. I Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't really get it. It There was never a point in these two games where I was like, wow, Henrik Lundqvist is the problem. Maybe the first goal of today's game. But even then, like that whole play breakdown was a nightmare. <laughs> Everything was a nightmare. I'd, I'd say, I'd say Prime Hank probably makes saves on two of those goals, but you're you're not seeing the forest through the trees if you want to blame 
either of the losses on Henrik Lundqvist. Oh, let's get this out of the way now. Can't can't do it. Greg, the entire team was pitiful. Pitiful. Like, embarrassing. It was... Uh, I don't don't want to paint that broad of a brush. You're not entirely wrong. Uh, Our boy, our son, Kako... Oh, we're going to get to it. Trust me. He's he's looked as good as he's ever looked, if not better than he's ever looked. Uh, I'd say Truba has been playing really well, all things considered. I'd say... I'm happy to have so much stock invested in Julian Gauthier. Very limited time um, today, but yes. And I'd also say, I think Lindgren is continuing to exceed my very modest expectations for him, and I think he deserves some credit there. Outside of those four, Ryan, hard, I, I don't have hard, anything nice to say. Hard-pressed, Gregory. You know what I think I'd like to do? A little game we used to play called The Good and the Bad. You know? Okay. We could break sure. it down. So let's start with The sure. Good. Because I have a feeling the rest okay. of the podcast will be the bad. So we play, yeah, it's going to be a lot of. There's going to be a lot of bad. We play the Islanders. Okay. Um, there is a particular. You know, Kako looks totally like a different player, just right off the rip. Right, like it was. I spent the entire year defending this player. Obviously, I started the church about him, about him, and uh, we've made a lot of great merch. We did a lot of great things together. We raised a lot of money for COVID relief together, Gregory. And you can go to right now churchkako.com to buy any merch you want, including beach towels. Celebrate the Lord and Savior himself. A little plug there. Um, but Kako, like, jumped off the screen. And I was like, is this the same player? And the the theory we had, the long-running theory that really started with Drew Way, if I'm being honest, um, to, give, to give some credit to Drew, was, hey, this guy played a million minutes. Like, he'd been playing hockey nonstop, top-level competitive hockey for two years. And he got to take a couple months off to go home, refocus, grow up, put some muscle on. And since he's been back, I... I I thought I was being like a little bit biased because, you know, I am. I'm protective. He's like, he's my, literally my Lord and Savior. And when he was playing the way he was, like with the aggressiveness, the forecheck, the puck control, I was like, is this Kako Kako? Like, am I like making this up? But then what, to see other people tweet about it and to say like, wow, Kako looks entirely different was very validating. And right away in the Islanders game, he was that way. A lot of great aggressive shots, a lot of shots that were amazing saves um, against him. And that continued through the next two games. And and to be honest, he's the number one bright spot of this whole squad. Like, the, the months off, they paid off. It was easy to see now. And if this is the player that Kako's going to evolve from going forward, boy, I have to tell you, my faith in him has skyrocketed. I knew it was there. We knew the talent was there. But to see it on display, especially when... And this might be the case, and you tell me what you think about this, is especially when everyone else is so goddamn lackluster including the superstars of this team, to watch Kako just, like, like I guess simply give a damn, kick it up, and put it in extra gear made him look so much of a better player that I, I was almost stunned. But I wonder, I wonder, and I agree with you, I, Kako has looked amazing. And if you want to, no such thing as moral victories when your team is about to crash out of the playoffs. But if you want to try and squint and take a moral victory in the Rangers, just god-awful performance in these two games, it has to be, on Capo's long-term future, it, it it looks great. But if you want to, if you want to really rain on the parade, which you know I am one to do. Yep, you're good at it. I've done it how many times since we've started this podcast? Yep, Countless. very. Uh, I do wonder if some of Kako looking so great is only because he's the only thing that even looks average when it comes to the forward ranks. Like gun to your head, who would you say has been the Rangers' second best forward? I. As much as I've liked the glimpses we've gotten from Gauthier, I don't think he's played enough minutes to qualify. My second so best who, forward is because of Vinajad, yeah. and it's really it's not close, really, between him and Kako. 
Yeah, because I don't think Zibanejad has done anything great. No, he had like the I, one tip in like that. I don't really count that. He's just been. I don't think he's been a net negative in my mind. Yeah, he's been. He's been fine, but he's that's fine. The, that's such a that's such not a thing we've been saying about Mika Zibanejad this entire season. Cockles uh, look great. I don't have any. I, I have nothing to add to the superlatives you gave him. He. Looks fantastic, and the real problem for the Rangers is he's the only thing that looks fantastic. You would hope that with Kako raising his game up, someone else would raise their game with him, and it just it just hasn't happened in terms of the forwards. Uh, I think some credit credit where credit is due, right? The Canes have played fantastic, for lack of a better term. They've they've dominated the series, they've controlled the series. The Rangers are struggling to play the Canes game. And the Rangers haven't presented anything to change how the Canes approach their their shifts. There's no reason to. Oh. The Canes have dominated. They've had the Rangers a can't get real hard time getting in the Canes zone, my man. Just yeah, like and we, we, all, we, knew, we knew the Canes were going to be great defensively. I think we're a little surprised they've maintained this greatness without Dougie Hamilton and Brett Pesci. But the Canes, the Canes have dominated the series. And honestly, the Canes dominating the series is why I don't want to hear anyone try to excuse the Rangers for well of saying, well, it's a long layoff and these guys are rusty. The Canes don't look rusty. The Canes look like they're ready to go. Yeah. I the saw Canes s- look like a team that's going to go on a deep playoff run right now. I saw Sarah Sivian tweet about um, what happened with the, the Canes today. And so just, I think the co- uh, the, the quote from the coach was every man did their job. Just very Patriots. And I have to be honest, every man on the, on the Carolina Hurricanes really did their job. Like the fourth yeah, line and- was kicking our ass. Period. And and the the exact opposite is what David Quinn said today, where he said, there, there's nothing I can do to change up the lineups of these games. The players have to play. And it, right now, the Rangers, the Rangers haven't stepped up to the plate. No. We we would have, we said, a lot of people said, uh, our friend Rick Carpinello, one of them, said that this playoff experience would be invaluable to the New York Rangers. That this would be an experience they may not have been able to get otherwise. And it's an experience we all thought arrived a year early. You go back to our preseason. I think you may have been the most optimistic person I know out there, but even you were saying mm-hmm. if this team went on a miracle run as an eight seed, that's one thing. But we we had no real playoff expectations before this season. No. So a lot of a lot of very smart people have have tried to tell us that this experience would be invaluable to the New York Rangers. And I got to tell you right now, Ryan, I don't know how any player could get any kind of experience from these games. No one's. It, it'd be one thing to play the Hurricanes, play well, and lose. I, th- that's a pill you could swap. It's totally like different. If, I want. I wanted to get into that because if you go into this, like, I was texting with our friend Dan today, right? He was like, "It's yeah. not. It's it's not even like watching playoff games where you have that tense. You know that. You know what it's like. That intensity. That tense moment where you're like, wow, this game could go either way.' Like, do you remember the Ottawa series? Like, it was brutal. Like, it, but it had moments where you're like, we're gonna win. We're gonna win. We're gonna win. There's never been a moment since we started this series versus Carolina where I was like, oh, the Rangers have this. They can come back and win. Not once. Not once. I just, especially today's game, it was over from five minutes in. As soon as they scored that first goal, Carolina was dominating. Dominating. I know we tied it up. I understand that. But just, I never never felt it. Even think about how they tied it up. It was a five on three. The New York Rangers have been so inept on the power play. 0 and 10 on the power play. 0 and 10. We should should make note 0 0 and 10 on 5v4. The one-man advantage. The traditional power play. The traditional power play, I, I think... Well, because, I, I mean, look, an NHL team should be expected to score on a five-on-three. I, I, I think we've advanced to a point where if you have a two-man advantage, 
for as long as the New York Rangers had a two-man advantage and you don't score, that is damning. Uh, it, the rate, especially again, when Artemi Panarin is, is and it was, it was not an easy goal, by the way, it was not, no, it, it was a snipe. It was a snipe job from the corner, uh, difficult angle shot, but and the Rangers had opportunities in this game. It's not like the New York Rangers were completely stifled the entire time. Brett Howden puts it right oh into Morazic's glove. Uh, hell, because the Benjev puts it right in the Morazic's glove. Right. And Brendan Smith, I don't know what the hell Brendan Smith Ka- is ever doing. Kako couldn't get the backhand because Brady Shea actually played tremendous defense on him. Just yeah. like what happened. Speaking of, I just I, it's yeah. it's it's it would be again. I I really don't want to take away anything from the Canes here. I don't want this to all sound like the New York Rangers are playing like such ass that they're playing themselves themselves out of the playoffs. The Rangers are playing like ass, and the Hurricanes are making sure that they are taking advantage of that. So all credit where credit is due. The Carolina Hurricanes have deserved to win these first two games. At the same time, the New York Rangers are a good enough hockey team where they should be able to throw a counterpunch, and we haven't seen a single counterpunch or even an attempted counterpunch from this Ranger team. I think it's it's quite surprising. I think Valaket said in the first game we had like two expected scoring chances, like that was it. And I don't know, I don't know what it was in today's game. My apologies, but for just just I, it, it must have been higher because those. Howden, Smith, and Zibanejad all had golden opportunities and they just right. couldn't finish. Yeah, it's from the from the eye test, I was like, well, we at least had shots today, but Mrazek was just better. His, or his glove was just better. I'm not really sure which one it is. And, you know, we'll, I, we'll get to Brett Howden, too, because we could talk about almost every single player on this roster. We really can. It might be worth talking about it. Yeah, honestly, man, we might as well go through because... That's what it is. You want to start from the top? We could do it that way. I really don't mind. Well, we've co- we've covered Kako again. I, I it, it can't go understated how well Kako has played in the exhibition against the Islanders and these first two games against the Hurricanes. If you want to, if you want to come away impressed with anyone in particular, like your number one star, mm-hmm. I think it it has to be Kapo Kako. It's he, crazy been, to say that too because he was miserable in the, during the year. You know, hands down. Sure. At, at the same time, Ryan, I mean, he had the lowest bar to clear, right? All he had to do was not be miserable anymore, and we'd probably have nice things to say about Kako. So mm. it's it, – he cleared the bar, but it, it's it's the distance in which Kako Kako has cleared the bar here and how he's performed in these first couple of games. He just looks like a different player. Yeah. The way he's playing is different than how he saw. He's not he, he's not shy about anything nope. on the ice anymore. Dude, do you see him go to, after he, the Canes after some of the the scrums? He goes yeah, right he, up. He's Whoa. he's making he's making an effort to be more involved in every play. And there were times during the regular season where Cabo Caco was very much just a passenger, but maybe most concerning was seemingly okay with being the passenger. Yeah, there were parts, and in these th- the, one of the parts that really like just to speak on that real quick Greg is when the when there were the loose pucks near the boards, like Caco couldn't get to them. He just couldn't. He couldn't skate yeah, fast it, enough. He couldn't win he, them out. And that was like his number one ability. And now he's crushing that. Yeah, it's it's like this pause uh, allowed Kako to realize that oh, I'm he's really on a level with his peers. Yeah. He's not playing up to competition anymore. It, it's like this reset allowed him to mentally refocus and realize that he's he, we've spent so much of this year talking about how he's a child. And he is a child. He's still a, still, a, a growing up. Still baby. a teenager. Uh but I think Kako, it seems like he's mentally reset to allow his game to play it on a level he would play it with people he considers equals and not people he considers idols. And I, I, I think that mental, that seemingly mental step 
has been the lone bright spot that I can talk about on a constant basis with the New York Rangers. Yeah. So we did talk about Kako. Let's start at the top line, shall we? Um, sure. So, Buchnevich. But No, start with Kreider. Because okay. it, it reminds me... How? I can't Kreider's see been invisible. <laughs> yeah, okay. he's, been, he's been invisible. And the, the thing that's most concerning to me is it's not the first time this year that Kreider has been invisible. You can go back to our first four podcasts of the season. That first month of the season, we were talking about Chris Kreider like he was washed up. Yep. We were talking about Chris Kreider like the New York Rangers might not even be able to get a second-round pick for him in a trade. I don't know if if something's happening with Chris Kreider's career where he's just going to be a slow starter from now on because we know he has it in him. We've seen it. Oh, Before he, he broke his foot, he, he broke was his foot, He was maybe the most dominant player other than Artemi Panarin. Just was absolutely... Well, and Zibanejad. Zibanejad okay, was fair. on another level. Fair. But it, Kreider, Kreider was cooking. Kreider... The way we were talking about Kreider when the season went on pause was as a guy who earned that extension, who made you believe that maybe that extension wouldn't come back to bite the Rangers at any point over those seven years. I mean, it's an optimistic take, but it's a take that I know we discussed on this podcast. Mm. You didn't feel bad about the New York Rangers signing that seven-year extension. Now, I'm not saying that an exhibition game and two play-in series games after a 142-day layoff and after the last a, time the New York and Rangers And a broken played. foot, yes. Right. I'm not, I'm not saying that this is enough of a sample size to say that Chris Kreider is washed or anything like that, but I'm saying we have a track record now with Chris Kreider over the last calendar year where this guy comes out of the gates really rough, and he's been, he's been awful. There has not been a single moment on the ice where I've thought to myself, Chris Kreider is going to help the New York Rangers in this situation. He's merely existed, and even then, you don't see him much. So it's, it, it, we have to call a spade a spade here. Chris Kreider has been bad. I don't want him to be bad. I'm not actively rooting for him to be bad. It's very important over the next seven years that Chris Kreider is not bad, but he's been bad in these two series. And the only thing we have to to lean on there is he was bad to start this year too. I know it happened a very long time ago. September 2019 might as well have been September 1999 at this point. Yeah, it might have been. It's really the same thing, to be honest. We 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 have we have two examples now of where Chris Kreider can't get out of the gate, and. I understand this is a very unique situation. I do not expect the New York Rangers to have this much of a break the next time they make the playoffs. But my God, I did not. I, of all people, you would think if time off helped anyone, it would have helped the guy who had a broken foot. And it seems like it's the worst thing that could have possibly happened to Chris. Kreider. Uh, the only thing I remember, the only time I really remember seeing Chris Kreider is when he like tried to do like a spin shoot towards the net and then skated off. That's the only play today. And maybe, maybe like one rush down the ice. Like other than that, like Chris was just been invisible and I'm, I, I'm surprised he didn't put him on the third line to be honest, because he was just, I, he might just, well, he did move him down. He moved him down to the second line. I did so know that Quinn, Quinn, Quinn made an effort to change something up to get Zabinajad going. And he put Panera next to him with Kako. Um, and I, that wouldn't have happened if Chris Kreider was playing at the best of his abilities. We know that, but it, it happened today, and it, it had to happen because Chris Kreider's he's just he's been bad. Yeah, the there's first, really no other way to explain it. They made uh, it was it's strange because we're learning a lot more about David Quinn, right? Like we're gonna learn a lot about him, and when he wants to score, he goes to this unique lineup where he has Mika and he has Panarin, and this time he had Booch with them, and then he puts out Fox and D'Angelo. But he went to that with nine minutes left in the second period on today's game. If that's what you're going to to score, and if that's what you think is the best lineup. What's stopping you from starting with that? I guess is sometimes my question. Um, I it it's it's a debate that 
a lot of people around hockey have had before. You the know, spreading it's, the wealth it, debate. Yeah, it's like star. It's basically the fantasy football debate of stars and scrubs, right? When you yep. when you make a fantasy draft, how high end do you want to go, or do you want to try and spread the love out and make sure you just don't have any weaknesses anywhere? Like, it, it's tough because, quite honestly, again, before this pause, it's not like having Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin separated was necessarily hurting either player. Mm. Mika Zibanejad was scoring more than a point and a half a game. And Artemi Panarin rightfully is a, is a heart trophy finalist. So it's, it's not exactly like separating those guys has prevented the Rangers from scoring. Scoring has never been the Rangers problem this year before this playing round. That, that, that's the thing that is maybe the most frustrating of this Ranger performance. We always thought the Rangers were going to be able to score. It was always a question of would the Rangers score enough to make up for their lack of defense. And it's, it's the fact that they've had zero scoring that exacerbates everything else that happens on the ice. And Chris Kreider is a big part of that. When Chris Kreider disappears, it doesn't allow you to separate Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin as easily as you would hope. And that shortens your lineup. Ryan Strom's a better player with Mika, uh, with uh, Artemi Panarin next to him than Chris Kreider. We're not breaking any news. No, come on. And now. it's not it's not a slight it's not a slight on Chris Kreider. There's there's a very good reason why why Artemi Panarin was a Hart finalist this year. And it's when when you it, it's difficult. The, the Rangers aren't scoring, and quite it, it's not like Strom, Panarin, and Kako were doing anything overly great today. Again, not for lack of effort on Kako's part. As as much as I love all these Rangers forwards, most of them at least, no one's played well. It, it's it, it it's more jarring when it's the guys you tend to rely on in these situations. Like, would it have surprised me if Filipino struggled in this series? Not really. He's a child. Yep. Would it surprise me? Would it surprise me if Kako did? No, not really. Would it surprise me even if? I mean, Booch is a streaky player. As much as I love the guy, he's streaky as hell. If Booch disappeared for a couple of games, it wouldn't have been the most surprising thing in the world. It's surprising when Artemi Panarin, Mika Zibanejad, and Chris Kreider aren't playing well, it, because those are guys you expect to perform. On not a not only basis. is it surprising, is it's devastating. I mean, yeah. Larry wrote. Uh, Larry Brooks, obviously New York Post, wrote about how Artemi Panarin had somewhat of a lackluster camp. And I thought in the the Islander game, I was like, yeah, he does look a little bit different. Something something seems up there. But I, you know, I think to me, I'm just thinking Panarin's just skating by, right? He's saving it for the playoffs. But then we get to the Carolina game, and like, he doesn't look anything like the player we saw all season, at least in my opinion. And I don't know. Again, I don't want to take credit away from the Carolina Hurricanes. They could be planning against this. They could be like, we have to start stop our Tammy Panarin at all costs. To me, that doesn't seem that way. To me, it seems like something's wrong with Artemi. Or, again, I said the word deconditioned earlier. He hasn't been on ice the way that everyone else was. Maybe he's not in hockey shape. I don't want to make excuses for the guy, but he's not. He's just not the same player he was during the season. It's so obvious. I, I really, I, can't, I feel like he might be hiding an injury. I really can't tell. I don't, I don't know if it's that extent. I mean, look, as much as we would like to avoid it, the simple fact is that the 142 days ago was the last time New York Rangers played a meaningful hockey game. Mm -hmm. And it's every athlete has always said, it's not like you can just flip a switch. It's why some guys struggle coming out of spring training in baseball. It's why some guys struggle coming out of training camp in basketball and hockey. And the end, it's why the first two weeks of the NFL season are usually trash. It's not like any high performing athlete can just decide to show up and play one day. Uh, I, one of my favorite podcasts, Men in Blazers, talk about how most, uh, not most, but renowned sports scientists say 
for every one day off, you need another day of training camp to really be back up to speed. And it's not like the New York Rangers were going to get 100-plus days of training camp to make sure they were back in game shape. So it's it's it, it, it stinks because you see a team like the Carolina Hurricanes that are handling this well. And it's not like the New York Rangers are the only team struggling. How many oh, times have well, we cracked jokes about the Maple Leafs? the Montreal Canadiens yeah. and they beat they beat the Penguins? How many times have we cracked jokes at the expense of a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs and they lose the first game? It's like, not like the New out. York Rangers are the only team out here putting up eggs, right? We're not. This is this isn't a problem unique to the Maple Leafs, and it's not like the Carolina Hurricanes are the only team coming out here playing extremely well right off the jump. It just so happens that a team playing extremely well off the jump is playing a team that's laying up an egg. And that's why you and that's why the Hurricanes have a two-nothing lead. The Hurricanes are doing everything right. I there's nothing about the Hurricanes game that I can sit back and say they should probably do less of that. Uh the penalties have been uh, Oh, the first exuberant. game was atrocious. atrocious. This game wasn't much better. I, I I don't know we can get into the ref uh, the refing shortly, but like if if the only thing the Hurricanes are doing wrong really isn't in their control and it's how a hockey game is being called. I, we're going to sit here and talk a lot about what the Rangers are doing wrong, but I, I will keep reminding myself that there isn't much that the Hurricanes aren't doing right. And I think that deserves a lot of credit. It's not an excuse for the New York Rangers, but if you're playing a team that is in rhythm and you are not in rhythm, it's going to be awfully hard to get a W. And that's exactly what we've seen for the first two games. It's clearly not in rhythm. And I guess someone that would be in the lineup that we we pretty much described or just talked about Chris Kreider because of Benajad, Pebbushnevich, et cetera. Um, Someone that would have been in the lineup was Jesper Fast, right? And then yeah. within a minute of the first, like, second of the game, Brady Shea gives him what we could assume to be some sort of injury and I'm guessing concussion, what we'll never know. Um, I, would, I, I wouldn't even say guessing concussion. I don't want to assume anything with any yeah, kind of injury. That's fair. At this that's point fair. Uh, if we, all, the information, all we know, we're, without assuming anything whatsoever, is we that know he's hurt. Un- we know he's not coming back. Unfit, I think that's unfit to play day to day, but not really. Probably not coming back. Um, so Brady yeah, Shea, if he's not, I, I have a hard time believing anyone that wasn't fit to play today is going to be fit to play tomorrow is, night because is, there's is no day Igor, off in between here. Igor, because we'll get to that. I think he's he might start honestly. Um, uh, if he's, I, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen the next twelve hour, twenty four hours here. That's going to magically make Igor fit to play. I'm, I'm with you. I just feel like they, they go for it. I uh, will get to it. So yes, we're fast. We talk about teams that like don't have something in sync. Do we feel that as a podcast with yes, we're fast going down? They sort of lost maybe their chemistry. Like was yes, we're fast more important than we were, we were thinking. Because to me. When he was gone, and obviously then we had 19,000 penalties in the first game, and he's one of the best penalty killers. And not only that, but you know we made fun of the uh, Jesper Fast and Artemi Panarin line, but it seems like he might have been able to get Artemi Panarin going throughout the year, um, despite Artemi's overwhelming talent. So was that as big a loss as we were giving it credit, or are we not giving it, or is it the other way? It's not as big as we think, and it's just the Rangers are terrible as is. I, I would for the penalty kill, it's big. I, I it, it's. For this New York Rangers team, it's impossible to place a defensively sound forward like Jesper Foss because the Rangers simply just – they don't have that guy that can do it. No, they've tried to replace him with Brett reason Howden. why Brett Howden – yeah, it's the reason why Brett Howden gets put in these situations. It, the Rangers don't have that guy. I would have wanted Phil DiGiuseppe to be that guy, but for whatever reason, uh, David Quinn doesn't see DiGiuseppe like that or doesn't want to use DiGiuseppe like that or doesn't have the trust to use DiGiuseppe like that, so he's not going to. So I, it, it definitely hurt the penalty kill. Uh, at the same time, I got to be honest with you, 
Jesper Foss can't be that important. Like, it would be damning to say Jesper Foss is that important to the New York Rangers. If the Rangers lost someone like Mika Zibanejad or Artemi Panarin or even Chris Kreider to an injury, yes, that throws off so much of what the New York Rangers want to do. Jesper, if Jesper Faust is also that kind of guy, we need to have a completely different conversation about this team. I, it, this isn't a knock on Jesper at all. He, again, the most defensively sound two-way forward the New York Rangers have on their roster. And because they don't have a lot of those guys, it's going to mess up the flow. But it's also not like the Rangers put a plug in for Jesper Faust. They gave more room to run for Capococco, who we've said is the best-looking Ranger forward on this team. So if, if, if you, Jesper Foss is out of the lineup and you put the best-looking forward on a line with Artemi Panarin, Artemi Panarin shouldn't be taking a step back. That, that shouldn't be something that cripples Artemi Panarin's game. And I don't want to think that Artemi Panarin is changing and trying to tailor his game to how Capo Caco typically plays because, again, Caco's looked great. Yep. So it's, it's hard to believe that replacing Faust with Kako is the reason why the Rangers are struggling. But it, and then again, you have Gauthier that can move up and replace Kako on the third line. If It's one of those weird things where, offensively speaking, the one injury the Rangers should be able to weather more than anything else is that of Jesper Faust. I know what it does for this team defensively, but even with Jesper Faust fully healthy in this lineup, he's not going to help that much for this Rangers defense, especially if you keep running out Brendan Smith and Mark Stahl on penalty-killing units. So there's, o- there's only so much one man can do. Yeah, it absolutely hurts not having Jesper, but I can't imagine Jesper was the Jenga block that let this tower fall apart. No, me either. I just don't want to believe that. Well, and also, this when we have a lot of time, Gregory, to talk about the future of this team, and we will, I promise. But that's a... We don't know if Jesper Fast is going to be on this team next year. And if that's if that's the case, we have a lot to talk about. We really do. Um, so Jesper, Jesper goes down here. Then that brings us to the second line. Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom has also been atrocious. I think outside of his one, what I would consider quite good pass on the power play. Has, today. Today, yeah. Uh, game two versus Carolina Hurricanes. Has there been a moment where you've been like, oh, Ryan Strom, very nice. Because to me, like... In, maybe in the Islanders exhibition, he's looked pretty okay. But these these two first two games, he just looks like he's getting out hustled, outplayed. And like, was it weird for you that he just like fought immediately? Like we talked about people who could stick up for their their teammates on this team without Brandon Lemieux being in, right? We named Chris Kreider, we named Tony D'Angelo, we named a bunch of other players. Ryan Lindgren being one of them. But Ryan Strom is not one I thought would do that. And right away, he got into a fight in game one. Um, and since that fight, even then, he's really been sort of lackluster. I, I'm really curious. It's like. I, I don't know what exactly Ryan's doing on the ice. I did think, but that goes for everyone. I, I, I don't know what's going on. And I, I was surprised he was still stayed on power play one. And even on the six and six on five at the end of the game, he was still out there um, instead of somebody else. But Ryan's been a disaster just to put it nicely. Yeah. I, again, I I've said this once. I'll keep saying it as we keep talking about these games. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to look too much into the, individual outcomes of three games coming off such a weird unprecedented unprecedented layoff before, right right yep. so like you want to you want to couch everything with that at the same time we've we've talked about this at length on this podcast uh, we talked about it at length uh, we, we met we brought it up with strom when he was physically on this exact podcast yep it when artemi panarin isn't going ryan strom doesn't go and it it's 
is that a player that you want to invest in long term if you're the New York Rangers? I wouldn't you again, I wouldn't use these two games as the reason why you should or shouldn't. Because once again, during the regular season, no partnership outside of anything Mika Zibanejad touch worked better for the New York Rangers than Ryan Strom with Artemi Panarin. It worked. And it you have to give credit to when something is going well. And I know our belief, I think it's one you share as well, is that Artemi Panarin is a special enough player where he could bring that kind of relationship out of anyone. At the same time, we know it usually works with Ryan Strom. So why rock the boat in some situations? But in this situation, it, it this is kind of the this is kind of the thinking of why if you're the New York Rangers, I know there are cap questions you could go into. There's so many just financially about. related things you could go into when it comes to Ryan Strom. But when Artemi Panarin isn't going, Ryan Strom doesn't go either. And I, I, I say this when I once again bring up the fact that. The, the third person on that line who has played the most minutes on the second line so far in these two games is Capo Caco. And we keep saying good things about the things Caco is doing, even while his teammates are struggling. Now, maybe it's just coincidence that Ryan Strom is struggling be, it, it, while other players struggle. But we've mentioned him being a passenger before. And he has another wing that is typically playing well. So if... In a normal season, if Artemi Panarin is going to be the re- like the thing that pushes Ryan Strom, that's probably a good thing because you're usually going to get the most out of Artemi Panarin. But it, you have to at least ask the question about that being the kind of guy you want to invest big long-term dollars into if he's going to be dependent like that on another player. Another player, by the way, that you would like more flexibility with because, oh, by the way, he's your best player. So it's... Has Ryan Strom done anything in the series that makes me go, oh, Ryan Strom? No, not really. At the same time, I wasn't really relying on Ryan Strom to be that guy anyway, which is kind of why I've been of the opinion that if I'm Jeff Gordon, I'm not giving him big dollars for a lot of years. But the the evolving yeah, wilds. Eight, if you want to be a skeptic, years, seven million dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, but if you want to be a skeptic about what Ryan Strom can and can't do long term, I think you could use these two games and use it as some kind of Mitchell report to say that this isn't, this isn't what you should be doing long-term. It, it's there for the taking. I would once again, stress that it's, it's three games in a bubble and everything about this is fucking weird. And these guys haven't played for four months, but I also can't sit here and say you should be as convinced as you were on July 15th about Ryan Strom's long-term projectability with the New York Rangers that you should be today. I think that would also be irresponsible. I agree. I totally agree. Hey, before we get to the bottom six, let's just take a quick break. Okay, the full 60 NHL return to play roundtable with Craig Custin, Scott Burnside, Pierre Lebron, Ryan Clark, and Katie Strang publishes this Thursday on The Athletic, so make sure you check that out. And, of course, grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. The boys will be getting right back on the diamond this week, and while we may not be able to join them in the stadium, There is plenty of action to be had from the comfort of your home. There is no better place to get into the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To celebrate baseball coming back, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering free bets for every home run your team hits. Taking advantage of a Grand Slam offer is easy. All you have to do is place a pregame bet with at least $25 on your home team, and for every home run they hit in that game, you get $5 worth of free bets. Additionally, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering... 
All new users a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Don't worry if baseball isn't your game. DraftKings offers great odds and promotions on sports ranging all the way from MMA to basketball. DraftKings Sportsbook is U.S.-based to making it safe, secure, and reliable. Plus, it's easy to deposit and withdraw your funds wherever you want. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code QUICK when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's code QUICK. Get your sign-up bonus up to $1,000 only at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. Must be 21 years or older, New Jersey only. Bonus compromised of first deposit bonus and first bit match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back to the show. And we're back. All right. Um... So we've talked about the, the the top two lines now. Now we get to we get to the bottom six. What's going on with the Mets? You guys okay? Well, I just want to. Oh boy. Uh, oh no. Oh, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Okay. I, I I did see the stat today though, and I want to repeat it here because we're coming off a break, so it's worth it. Okay. And I put this poll out there, and I'm I'm interested to hear your take too. So the New York Mets this year are hitting 261 as a team. That's third in the National League. Okay. They're hitting 287 with the bases empty. That's first. In the National League, <laughs> they're hitting below 210 with runners in scoring position. Uh, that is, in runners in scoring position and runners in scoring position with two outs, the Mets are 13th and 14th in batting average. The National League. Okay. There are 15 teams in the National. I League. understand. One one team hasn't played in a month. Yep. So it's like, I, I've never I've never seen anything like. I don't know. I watching the Rangers not being able to convert on the power play, and watching the New York Mets not being able to drive in a single run with a runner in scoring position. It, it's testing my mental fortitude. And I'll say right now for you, Ryan, the Mets have a runner on third and nobody out in a Jacob DeGrom start. <laughs> what do you, I'm laughing have because I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. They have the top of the order up too. It's yeah. going to go, it's, it's going to go fucking Nemo Conforto Alonzo. Yep. With a runner on third and nobody out. Just gotta, you want me to focus on some kind of Ranger question you're just, about to just ask. Just got to hit. I, I'm warning you right now where I, I'm, I'm already angry. Already angry. I believe there. it. I hope they score for you, buddy, and for us. Um, for I, you hope they score for yourself because if they don't score here, this podcast will go off every rail that has I've ever ju- been. I just want I just want to keep it Ranger focused for another twenty minutes, and then we're good. Good luck. Okay, I'm rooting for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm trying to do my best here. It's my job. Um, all right, let's do the bottom six here because I think this is pretty interesting. You know, David Quinn said after the game, the kids, you know, they did they did the job they could. It's really the star players that need to step it up. And when he says that, you look at the bottom six, and really without Jesper Foss, like, things are tough. Things are really tough. Like, your third line is Phil DiGiuseppe, Philip Heedle, who I think will be the second line center next year, and and Gautier. And Gautier, in the little, little amount of time he's been on the ice, I thought was impressive. I think there was one time where he was chasing the puck where I was like, wow, that kid's big and fast. That's crazy. It's his other skills that it seems to be lacking or the trust in the coaching. I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe he just wasn't, wasn't around it long enough to gain the trust. But Philip Heedle, again, not invisible, but not doing enough. Phil DiGiuseppe, did you see, like, really anything? I saw some forecheck from him, but really nothing Well, else. he didn't play. I think he got less than seven minutes in game one, yeah. which is shocking considering, again, the Rangers were playing down a forward in Jesper Foss. Brendan Nimmo walked, by the way. Very so nice. there are now two guys on. Very nice. Nobody out. And the Mets won't score. Okay. Um, so it, it, it was shocking to see DiGiuseppe get such little ice time in game one. But then you remember that the Rangers for that entire game were either on the power play or on the penalty kill. And if Phil Giuseppe is not going to play on either of the special team units, it's going to be hard to get ice time. So it, it, it didn't 
it didn't fully shock me that he got less than seven minutes. But again, it's it's a guy who has been defensively responsible for this Rangers team since he's been here. So you would hope that Quinn would have made an adjustment to give him a chance on the penalty Just kill give at it some a shot. point in time. Uh, holy shit, Michael Conforto drove in a run. How Let's about that? go. We're, t- we, wow. we're Ranger focused. We're Ranger focused, baby. Here we go. Ranger there are now two guys in scoring position with nobody out. Okay. Let's see if the Mets continue to score in runs. <laughs> okay. um, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, a little, it's a little surprising. But, again, what's the one thing we talked about so much going into this playing series? Russ. You knew David Quinn wasn't going to make a big, a big adjustment. No, he wasn't. It, 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 it wasn't in the cards. And it's for, it's for better or for worse. And right now it's for worse because the Rangers are playing poorly. But, I mean, it, it's tough, right? Gauthier is playing a bigger role than we would have expected him to play. Uh, Hedl hasn't played great. I, 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 I don't want to be as hard on Hedl as I am the veterans because you expect more of the veterans. They've been there before. They've been through this. This is Hedl's first attempt at anything resembling playoff hockey. So there is a learning curve for Philip Hedl that I don't think exists, especially for the Criders, the Benajeds, Panarins. Um, but he, he, it's, it hasn't been great. Uh, these three games sure haven't been convincing for the Filipino deserves more ice time argument. No. But again, it's, it, we, can't, we can't take everything so seriously in these games because they're so damn weird. But it, his play today after the D'Angelo turnover was tough. That led to that almost seemingly directly. Not getting the loose puck is what you're talking about? Yeah. It, it, like it, I, I think it's 70% D'Angelo's fault that the puck is in that position, but you would hope that Filipino being right there to make the final play is able to make the final play. When he does make the final play, you see exactly what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's tough. It's, it's what, but this is exactly this is the kind of struggles I expect to happen with a young team. Me too. Like the young guys not performing is is kind of what you expect their first experience in the playoffs. And maybe maybe if there's anyone who benefits so much from this ass kicking that the Rangers have been given, it's Filipino because he's been involved in so much of it. But it's. I can't say I'm disappointed in Heedle because there is that learning curve. It, I, it's just, it's more disappointing that nobody is picking him up. Nobody. And it, it's someone should have. And it's, it's basically why Quinn said what he said in the post game. He said there's, there's not a whole lot of blame he could pass around for the bottom six. They're doing almost everything that the coach could expect them to do because the expectations there aren't that high. It's the top six that has struggled so mightily that has doomed everything else in this lineup. So it's, yeah, I, I would hope Filipino would play better. Yeah, the Rangers need Filipino to play better. But I, if Zibanejad and Strom aren't going to play better, then it, it almost doesn't matter what Filipino does. I agree with you. Um, this whole bottom six I thought was all right. I mean, Brett Howden, obviously, man. I you, you, almost feel, you almost feel bad for Brett I do. Howden, I, right? You know, I've kind of come around. Is that weird? Over these past two games where I was like I, – I don't I – don't, I'm not I saying good things. Around. I just – like I, I feel bad that this kid – who Quinn obviously believes in, right? Like obviously sees something great in is just having a really hard time, like trying to accomplish these tasks. He's still young too. I don't think he has the talent. That's not his fault. He's not the player Quinn thinks he is. I I don't think. And he's getting, he's getting extremely important PK time. They put him into, they moved him up the line today. The third, they put him on the third line. Like that's, that's basically the craft soft point I want to make right here because 
I, I'm sure you your mentions were flooded with it, like my yeah. mentions were flooded with it, like every beat reporter's mentions were flooded with it, yeah. calling for the Rangers to put Kravtsov in this lineup instead of Fogarty. First things first, and I, I don't know how many times we've said this on the podcast. A million. Wh- whoever was going into this Rangers lineup was going to play a bottom four role. I think, did Fogarty even get five minutes today? I think he broke- I set the over-under at seven and a half, and I saw that it was at barely over three minutes with more than half the second period played. I'll check right so now. So it's, yeah, it, it was low. It was basically exactly what I expected. Uh, whoever was going to get plugged into that position was not going to be asked to do much. So why worry about who's going to get asked to plug into that position? When it comes to Brett, like, and that brought me to my Brett Howden point. People were saying, well, if you put Krasov in the lineup, if the opportunity presents itself for him to get extended minutes, if the team continues to struggle, wouldn't you want that? And I, Guys, I don't know what else you want David Quinn to do to prove to you that Howden is always going to get the first opportunity to move up in the lineup. Quinn Quinn has trust in him. Quinn has faith in him. Quinn has seen something in his game that we don't get to see on a daily basis because there have been flashes for Brett Howden. I can think of three games where I sat back and said, God damn, Brett Howden is making a difference tonight. But there, there haven't been enough games for me to say that Brett Howden is going to be a productive player long term but we we all it, it's it's not it's not defending Quinn it's not defending Howden it's not praising either of them for the decisions that are made it, it, at some point you we all just need to take a step back and realize what's about to happen because we have the history and experience to say this is what's about to happen we knew that if the Rangers felt they needed to insert someone into the top nine from the fourth line it didn't matter if it was Krasov or Wayne Gretzky on that line it was going to be Brett Howden because that's what David Quinn has done. It's what he consistently does. He looks for opportunities to get Brett Howden more ice time. And I think part of the, that's part of the reason why Howden has become such a lightning rod for the blogosphere, for fans who are invested in the team on a nightly basis. Howden becomes a lightning rod because he's being asked to do things that we don't think he's capable of, but his coach does. And it's that his coach, is gonna, his coach will continue to ask him to do things regardless of the other options presented in front of him. I used to say this, you, you can go you can go into our podcast. Oh my God, Robinson Cano got a hit with the bases loaded. This is unbelievable. Wonderful time. Um, but, but you can go back into the archives of this podcast and the amount of times on this podcast that I've complained about the likes of Tanner Glass, the amount of times I've complained about it, in Mets universe, the guys like Eric Campbell, <laughs> like how many times clean up? Better. It's up to it's up to the general manager to take the toys away if the toy is not capable of doing what the the manager thinks the toy is capable of doing. At some point, it, it David Quinn will continue to go to Brett Howden because David Quinn has trust and belief in Brett Howden. We don't have it. You don't have it. I do not. Listeners that listen to this, most of them don't have it. So that our friends over at Blue Shirt Banter, a lot of them don't have it. Guys you disagree with on Twitter don't have it. Guys you continuously agree with on Twitter, they don't have it. At some point, you have to take the toy away. And if you're not going to take the toy away, then you can't complain about what's about to happen. And it that's that's a lot of why I didn't I don't have a problem with Vitaly Kravtsov not being in the lineup because Vitaly Kravtsov wasn't going to get a chance. Should he get a chance is a different conversation. It's a completely different conversation. The the answer is yes, he should get a chance. The Rangers really don't have anything to lose. Uh, Especially right now, by the way. Especially. But but Ryan, we know David Quinn. We know what he's going to do. We have enough experience where it's it's not a question of should. It's a question of what will the Rangers do. 
and they did what we expected them to do. Oh, it doesn't make it right. This came that doesn't out. mean we have to agree with it. Dude, I wish we, you, again, to speak to your point of Governor Cuomo, if we could bet on who would have been played, Fogarty or Kravstov, we would have made money. If I would, if Yeah, I, but if, not, not, just, not just that, Ryan. If we could have bet which one of them would play, and we could bet how little ice time that player would get, we would have made a killing. 707 for Fogarty, by the way. So lower than seven and a half. There yep. you go. I would have crushed that bet. It's, I just, I, it, it's almost to me like the fan base expects something more of uh, David Quinn than we do. Oh God. Oh, oh fuck. Soroka got seriously injured. Ooh. Okay. Oh, that's not good. Oh, that looks like an Achilles. Oh, let's not, let's not do this. Okay. Sorry, Soroka. That is miserable. That, well, I, it's just, it's an, I, so I didn't see what necessarily happened. He was limping, so I figured that Alonzo hit a, like rocketed a ball <laughs> off his foot. But it, it I, I know, I, I promised you I wouldn't do this, but like it's a non-contact leg injury that Soroka can't put pressure on his foot anymore. Yeah, that's that's a, and that that kind of shit, that kind of shit, fucking yeah, that breaks my heart. I've too. seen we've we've all seen enough Achilles injuries with. I would be stunned right now if. The Mike Kev- Soroka didn't just the- rupture his Achilles. Kevin Durant one haunts me still, honestly. He still would have been a New York Nick if otherwise. Um, yeah. All right, that let- sucks. We talked that about fucking sucks. we talked about Brett Howden. Sorry, Soroka. That sucks, man. Um, we talked about Brett Howden. We pretty much went to the bottom six. Let's get to the defense, shall we? Yeah, because I mean the defense. You're, look, we'll do the good before the bad, right? Yeah. So I thought Adam Fox is okay, all- not great. If I'm being honest, I, I, I want to put him in the good. I, I would say. Again, if you want to, if you want to, if you want to try and play the, he was. I, I think Fox Lindgren was good game one. I don't think Adam Fox was overly good in game two. But again, I, he just doesn't Adam look Fox like a, is a kid. Like it's growing pains. For right. Him. Of course, doesn't look like his normal self, which I've I've come to expect. You know what I mean? There's there was never a play yeah, where and, where it was like, oh, Fox, holy shit, in both games at all. And again, I think I think this moment, it's Fox's Fox not playing to Fox's absolute top ability is highlighted by the fact that Ryan Lindgren's playing great. I, right, now, right now, I don't know if there's a... There's definitely not a left-handed defender on the New York Rangers that I am more confident in than Ryan Lindgren. And outside of Truba, there isn't a defender right now on the Rangers that I'm more confident in than Ryan Lindgren. He's, he's playing as well as you could have hoped Ryan Lindgren to play. Ryan Lindgren and Cabo Caco are the two guys where if you told me before this series started that the Rangers were going to get exceptional performances from those two guys specifically, I would not be sitting here thinking the New York Rangers were in an 0-2 hole. Same. I would have assumed Same. that the team took a leap forward. Because Dude, of if guys. you would have told me Kako was the best player on the Rangers, I'd be like, wow, we're 2-0 right now. This is crazy. There's no well, way. Well, no, if you told me Kako was the best player on the Rangers right now, I, I might have thought that the Rangers were in trouble because I don't think Kako – should be right now the best player well, on the Rangers. The way Rangers. I'm looking at However, it is like Panarin and Mika are inevitable, and they just haven't been. Right. No, I, I would have looked at it again. If, if someone had just said, when this Hurricane series starts, you're going to get the best performances you've seen from Lion Lindgren and Kabakako that you've ever seen all year, I would have said the Rangers must be on fire. Because right. if those guys are clicking, then everyone else must be clicking. So it's, it's, it's a little fly in the ointment that those guys are playing this well. But the rest of the team, again, with the exception of maybe two other guys, is just letting them down. It's it's brutal. The whole thing is brutal. And the whole defense in general, if I'm being honest, going through it, I mean, the Fox-Lindgren pair is okay. I thought Fox, like, wasn't wasn't the person I have come to expect. 
I will say there were there were times where I was pretty impressed by Jacob Truba. Um, I had a lot of concerns throughout the entire year about Jacob Truba. I've noted them on this podcast. I thought maybe the contract ended up being not what I wanted. Again, this is two games. Everything I said before, use those as a disclaimer. Um, but Jacob Truba came out, and I, I thought for the, these three games, he's been pretty solid. I thought he's been one of the better defenders. Everyone else I, I cannot speak for. Brendan Smith, Mark Stahl, Tony D'Angelo. I'm I'm pretty positive Tony's playing injured. I don't want to say anything, but I mean, he didn't practice. I'm just making some conclusions here. I'm not reporting anything, but I'm pretty positive Tony's playing injured. He hasn't looked exactly like himself. He's made some really like low hockey IQ plays, um, the behind the net one, the turnovers, et cetera. I mean, that, that's not entirely not Tony's self. That's fair. The, the def, His defensive prowess has never been, and this is something we've argued about forever, uh, has never been entirely the best. But offense, yeah. offensive Tony has not looked he's the been, same. He's been stifled. Yes. The, the Canes are playing, the, again, some credit, not, not just some, I think a lot of credit belongs to the, how the Carolina Hurricanes are defending. The New York Rangers can't do anything. The New York Rangers are a team that relies almost exclusively on transition, and the Hurricanes aren't letting them play in transition. So it's, you would hope that great players would be able to adjust their games to how the flow of the game is going, and the New York Rangers just haven't had that in this series. I I don't know, I, before we get really into the bat, I do want to say, I am encouraged by Jacob Chuba. I really am. I, I He was a guy before this series started. I said it on last week's podcast. If the New York Rangers really wanted to go on a deep run, Jacob Chuba was going to be a guy that would have to play differently than he played in the regular season because of how limited the Rangers are defensively, because of how deep the Carolina Hurricanes are as a team. The Rangers really needed Jacob Chuba to step up if they wanted to upset the Hurricanes and go on a deep playoff run. And to Chuba's credit, he stepped up. I think this this is the best hockey we've seen from Truba on a night in night out basis. I, I I don't have a single play related to Truba that I can pinpoint as a, a net negative play. I, I, it got to a point where I joked during Game Two that I think the New York Rangers would be better off running four forwards with Jacob Truba just to get Brendan Smith the hell away from him. Oh man, I, Smith Smith has had a really hard two games. Really, yeah, tough. I, I I I think if you're again. I don't, I don't want to sit here and say Ranger fans need to take um, small positives away from the series. The Rangers have played like crap. If you want to be angry about the Rangers playing like crap, by all means, I'm not going to be the guy to tell you any different. But I, I, I truly believe the three players that you can walk away from the series feeling really good about for the future is Kapokako, Ryan Lindgren, and Jacob Truba. They, they've, they've played above their ability from what I needed them, from what I needed to see from them in this series. But at the same time, that's like, Gauthier, I just, we haven't seen enough, but I'm happy I invest the stock. Outside of those four, Ryan, I, I can't say a single thing. Yeah, Gauthier, about- I think, got hurt in this today's game, only played six minutes. When he limped off, I think they they kind of held him back a little bit. And that's why Brett Howden got moved up. My opinion, I don't know. We can't know any of this stuff, right? right. Um, we, they, we, they, we, we don't, we're not told by the team, so we're not going to know. Exactly. The, the, the insiderism doesn't exist in the NHL for us to find this stuff out. For sure. Um, so Brendan Smith in general, just uh, absolute Bad. miserable game. Bad. Uh, this Bad. brings me to my point about the ice, and I'm sure I'm assuming you saw this too. The ice quality is terrible, and I, I feel I, like all we do now is talk about ice. Between this and 1994, that's it. <laughs> um, just, there's more more time in the last two months. I, honestly, ice quality than we've had in five years. Yes. Um, yeah. 
for sure. But I don't know if you notice like how much the the puck is bouncing. But not only that, but how often the New York Rangers fall, or like they try and do like crisp turns and then they just eat face. And like I I I don't know if the you know the Hurricanes are just playing more careful and they are kind of playing to their environment, or if the Rangers are just sloppy. But Really, there are like a lot of bouncy pucks, like the one that Brendan Smith just gave to the Carolina Hurricanes in front of Henrik Lundqvist. Um, I think there were, were a couple couple shots to the Hurricanes if they could have gotten like a clean shot on it, would have scored on Henrik Lundqvist. But since the ice was so shit, they did they couldn't. Um, a lot of tripping, a lot of slushing, like a lot of just nothing, like terrible sloppy slushing. slushing. Yeah, slushing. Ice when it melts, it's slushy. Um, it's Seven Eleven, I think, right? Slushies. Um, not sponsored. Not sponsored for this podcast, by the way. Um, but just just miserable, and I, I know this is not the maybe not the case for all teams, but the Rangers are truly affected by it. And I saw Pete Blackburn tweet out about like why don't I, why don't we just play in concrete at this point? And I agree with him because the the ice is absolutely terrible, and I know they can't do anything more to fix it. We're playing hockey in August, right? What can they really do? So yeah, I, and look, both teams have to play on the same surface. Yep. So it, even even playing it, ground. Yeah, it it's not like the Hurricanes are a team that's better trained to play on shit ice than the New York Rangers. That's true. And at the same time, we don't really know. Like, yeah, it looks like it's not fun. There's so much hockey being played on this one sheet of ice on a constant daily basis that, you know, you don't, you don't have to be a iceologist to know it probably isn't the best. It's also not the best to be playing this much hockey on August 3rd in the year 2020. Like all the factors that go into what should be happening with that ice right now? Less than ideal. There's a, there's a reason why the NHL doesn't usually play during the summer. Hmm. It's not conducive to ice conditions. Pretty interesting. But <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to use that as an excuse because the Hurricanes are playing on the same surface. So like, is it affecting the Rangers more? I don't fucking know. Are the Hurricanes better prepared for the bad ice? I don't fucking know. All I know is both teams are playing on the same surface. One team is playing better than the other. It can't be the surface's fault. No. I just I, I refuse to believe it. I agree with you. Um, I just something I kept noticing it over and over again. Let's get to Mark Stahl before we get to the goalie, uh, Henry Lundqvist. Mark Stahl D'Angelo, I, I, I'm I'm out. I'm out. I don't want it anymore. I, I just don't. I, I I I I've seen enough. I'm tapping out. I'm over it too. And Mark, listen, had a goal. Didn't see that coming. But also had an own goal. So did see that coming. Um, uh, 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 not, each other out. not his, not his really his fault off his skate, but you know, wrong place, wrong time. Mark the Mark Stahl story. Um, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> it really is, you know, I'm sorry, Mark, you're a good guy. I know, but that's just, that's the whole situation. Um, we've pretty much gone through everyone now, except for Henrik Lundqvist, who I think has been fine. Really. I thought this would be, um, yeah, I, he'd be well, up for the I, task, I think but it's not like, the, I don't think any of his goals were his fault, man. I really don't. Maybe the one, the first one today in game two, that's it. No, but even, even. If the Rangers played a literal brick wall in goal, goalie's not the reason why the New York Rangers suck on the power play. The goalie is not the reason why the New York Rangers offense has not been able to establish any kind of zone pressure against the Carolina Hurricanes. The goalie play is not the thing that has prevented the, the, the New York Rangers goalie play is not the reason why the Rangers have scored three goals in two games. Mm-hmm. A prime, like best case, Igor could be out there. The Mets got another hit with the runners. Oh, wow. I do not believe it. They're they're gonna blow this Jacob Degrom under in the first five innings. Unbelievable, I, unbelievable. Uh, but all the people, the people that are angry at Henrik Lundqvist are just looking for an excuse. They want to be angry at Henrik for whatever reason. A portion of this fan base exists. You don't understand it. I don't understand it. It 
it's the most illogical hill to die on for any portion of this fan base. But if Henrik Lundqvist didn't put out consecutive shutouts against the Carolina Hurricanes, we were going to hear it. I don't know what else you want Henrik Lundqvist to do. He had 34 saves in game one. The New York Rangers were suffocated in game one. The fact that the Hurricanes only scored three times is a credit to Henrik Lundqvist. The first goal today, I bet Henrik would stop eight times out of ten for whatever reason today was one of the two times it got through. But even then, guys, New York Rangers can't do anything offensively. You could you could play with an empty net and have six skaters out there. It would be the same thing. It's Until this team performs offensively, there's nothing we can do to sit here and say that Henrik Lundqvist should be doing better. Can't do it. Not going to do it. He's, he's played as well as you could have hoped him to play. The New York Rangers held the Hurricanes to three goals in game one. They should be able to win that game with how their offense usually plays. Game two would have been more of a challenge, but the Rangers never got off the ground in game one, two. So forget about the Hurricanes scoring four goals. Once the, once the Hurricanes got goal number two, it felt like the game was over. I really so hate I, it. I hated how I the team responded, I, by the way, after they gave up two goals. They just didn't play at all. It looked like they stopped caring. I don't, I don't know. What, what else would you want from Henrik Lundqvist? I'd, if Igor's not 100%, put Henrik out there for game three. Georgiev's not going to do, do anything. Is he going to play in the power play all of a sudden? Yeah. There's no difference. I There's think, no difference. I think Igor is going to go game three, just a gut feel. I don't really have good I, – I don't have good resource for it. I just feel like he's going to go. I don't know why, but I do. And well, that'll be it. Um, I, I I do think this series might be over quick, Gregory. I don't think the Rangers have a good shot at winning it. They're gonna have to win three in a row. At, at this point, Ryan, I would I personally would be surprised if the New York Rangers see a game four. I'm with there's, you. There's just nothing in their play. There's nothing in their play in these first two games to suggest that this team is capable of. Yeah, what what shows me what they can do? And, you know, I really can't see anything unless unless Kako just goes absolutely nuts and puts a few in, and Artemi and Mika also turn it on. I just don't know what's gonna happen. So we would have to see a different on ice product than what we've seen. Absolutely. So we'll be back uh, to do an OT later this week. We're going to uh, take a week off from uh, before we finish up the game seven, depending on what happens. Um, we'll, we'll come talk about the end of uh, either the, the playoff series versus the play in series versus Carolina hurricanes, which we'll again, recap next Monday uh, night when we do the podcast and then we'll do the game seven next week, or we'll be talking about previews to game four. Uh, we'll see what happens. So tune in on uh, Wednesday night. And, uh, or Wednesday, yeah, what, Thursday morning, rather. So we don't even know when the game's going to be Thursday if they do win. So, well, they have to win first. So let's figure that out, huh? Follow me on Twitter at Orion Mead. Follow Greg at Blue Shirts Break. And Gregory and I will be back next week. Greg, any final parting words? Uh, no, you, you said we didn't have any five-star questions this week? Uh, this you just sh- had one really racist dude in the comments? Yeah, one, yeah. Uh, Roselle7 actually asked, uh, what are you guys' award winners for the season? But I figure we'll save some of these for next week when we have more questions. I just want to – there's only one or two, so um, we'll save them. Yeah, and I mean – We got time. Outside of – yeah, outside of Makar winning the Calder and Panarin winning the Hart, I don't have a ton of opinions, yep. I'll be honest. Yep, I'm with you. All right, we'll be back next week. Love you guys. Bye.